Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm best-selling author and co-creator of realeverything.com, Stacey Toth. I focus on being healthy inside and out through real life, food, and talk. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of thepaleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Welcome back to the Paleo View. I'm so excited. Um, life is just, life is great. And I, I know it's not always great for everyone all the time, but we had some hard times for a while and I'm just like in awe on how well things are going. And I think it has a lot to do with like thought and intention and also planning and just feeling good. How are you feeling, Sarah? <laughs> Can I give you, because it's still January, I want to give you an update on New Year's resolution before we jump into the podcast, because we ended up making two New Year's resolutions as a family that we didn't talk about when we did our New Year's resolution show this year. And one was to do an outdoor activity together every weekend. So whether that's a hike or a walk around the neighborhood or like we can't all of us go on the trampoline because it's over the weight maximum, but like taking turns on the trampoline um, in the backyard, right? So like, you know, some kind of something altogether as a family um, was one of our news resolutions. So far, so good. And the other one was that we would do um, meditations together as a family. We're using Headspace and we're just going through the basics courses every evening before the kids go to bed and we're just doing like five minutes every once in a while there's like hey we're, we're sitting down a bit early like let's do 10 minutes tonight but five minutes is the goal and everyone in my house is loving it um the kids are falling asleep faster um like it's just it's it's i mean i know all the science behind mindfulness i you know started yoga practice when I was 17 years old. I've done a ton of meditation, but there's something about making sure that it's a daily practice. I've fallen out of the habit of that and um, doing like, we're all keeping each other accountable. Like there's this like, oh wait, how much homework do you have? When are you going to be done? You know, okay, that means you have time to go have a shower. Like it's this like coordination to make time for this five minutes of silence as a family listening to the same meditation on a like Bluetooth speaker. It's been fantastic. I'm a little bit like, Oh, that's so I cute. Know. It is. It's adorable. I am a big fan of family activities. So whether it's a resolution or not, I'm high fives all around to everyone who is spending time with people they love, whoever that is. Family can mean different things to different people. So mm -hmm. I, I'm excited to help Barbara this week. We actually have a listener question that you and I are both. Um, I think it's it's a unique challenge for us. Like we, I feel like we know AIP so well, but to put it outside a context that we're familiar with is mm -hmm. 
I think going to be good. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah. And I really felt like, um, you know, it's, tis the season for diet resolutions. And I mean, we're even right at the time now where people are starting to hit that wall of, oh yeah, now it's keep going. I got to keep going. This is getting to be real work. And I also really love the challenge of like, let's pull this back to basics and really think about what the AIP looks like to somebody new. So Barbara, just a little bit of background. She's 75 years old and she's on social security. She wants to do the autoimmune protocol. And her question is, how can I do the AIP diet? Where do I begin? Like it, it, yeah. I mean that I think, um, you know, Stacy for you and I, it, it's been a while since the AIP was this like new foreign overwhelming thing. And I think it's easy for all of us in the autoimmune community who have used the AIP, who have done that whole health journey part where we figure out our own tolerance to individual foods and how much we can push it in terms of sleep and stress and activity and all of those different moving pieces to, you know, we get to this place where it's easy, right? We figured it out where we know our bodies and yeah, that doesn't mean there aren't surprises and random challenges, but, you know, we're at a place where choosing foods that support our health isn't, you know, we're not having to look at food lists and find recipes. Like we just, we just get to the point where like, that's just day-to-day life and it's not a big deal. And then to remember that sense of, oh, that's a, that's, <laughs> wow, look, I'm supposed to do that now? Um you know, I think that's a really, you know, it's very, very common that that is the initial reaction to starting to learn about the autoimmune protocol and to go back to like, where, where does, where does, where's the best place to put that initial effort, I think is awesome. Agreed. So I think the first thing for me that really resonated something that you've said before, so I'm not going to take credit, but um, is to think of the autoimmune protocol as adding in nutrients as much mm-hmm. as possible versus what you're taking away and changing. And I think the more that we can think about this as we go through everything else with the autoimmune protocol and all of the details or, you know, whatever it is, I think it can become kind of overwhelming. But the, uh, the thought process is that we're adding in nutrient density, which I had a really fascinating conversation at water aerobics last week with someone who was like, what is nutrient density? So I'm just going to run through that really quick on Mm. a side tangent to my tangent, which is to mean for every calorie that you're eating, you're maximizing the amount of nutrients that you could get from that food, that it's high in fiber or other minerals and vitamins, different kinds of things that are adding value um, to your uh, health, right? So if you think about a calorie, it's not like a calorie is a calorie. Obviously, you know, a potato chip has a different value than kale or spinach would in terms of the amount of nutrients that it's providing. So, um, as we think about the autoimmune protocol, it's really about adding in those nutrient-dense foods to 
then easily replace some of the ones that could be inflammatory. And we're, we're doing that to nourish and heal the body with those nutrients so that we can feel our best. So I think like it, I'm trying to simplify what I think can become really overwhelming as we start to define something. And we're going to talk about the best ways to do that. But I think as someone who is just starting and where to begin and feeling overwhelmed by it all, like we are just trying to nourish the body for it to heal it, to feel its best and taking away the things that um, cause the inflammation and um, the autoimmune symptoms that you're feeling because your body is feeling defensive, so to speak. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you know that my preference with defining whether it's paleo or the autoimmune protocol or the nutrient-dense anti-inflammatory diet that we have yet to find the perfect term for um, is to, to talk about the foods that we do eat rather than the foods that we avoid because a diet is not healthy or unhealthy based on what you avoid. It's unhealthy or healthy based on what you actually are putting into your body. And I think that, you know, as we go through a sort of step-by-step, you know, where, where to start, um, you know, how, how to progress through implementation of the autoimmune protocol, not from a transition standpoint, but from a priority standpoint, I think that it's, it's very helpful to to adopt the mindset of the positive focus on what we do get to eat rather than the negative focus of what we're avoiding, what we're missing. And I think that that, you know, it, it really is sort of a subtle shift in, in mindset, but it really can make all the difference, especially for anybody who is, um, you know, maybe especially coming from standard American diet or like a standard gluten-free diet where the the shift is bigger. Like the shift from paleo to the autoimmune protocol is obviously not as big as the shift from a typical Western diet to the autoimmune protocol, right? So if you're doing a bigger dietary shift and there's going to be a longer list of foods that are normal everyday foods for you right now that are going to be eliminated as you adopt the autoimmune protocol, that shift in focus from, oh, I, I don't get to eat my bagels anymore to, um, oh man, I, you know, I love to eat bacon, you know, prosciutto wrapped melon, right? Like whatever the bacon wrapped dates food is. Yes. Bacon wrapped dates. Steak. Steak. Um, you know, not, that the, not, that, not that we're like saying that that's all you eat, but really thinking about really the, focused on the meat right there, didn't yeah, we? I, well, I, I, once you said it, I was like, yes, that sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> know what I'm making for dinner tonight? Um, yeah, so I just I want to um, emphasize what you just said by saying it that it really it really boils down to not just a way of tangentially thinking about the autoimmune protocol, but the mindset around food in general, I think it sets us up for treating it like a journey rather than treating it like a dietary intervention that is going to be on for a while and off, which it's not designed to be. It's designed to allow you to, you know, understand your own body and understand your own food triggers and lifestyle triggers and really be able to 
find a maintenance diet that is going to work for you as an individual. And it's, it's really designed as a, as a, a thorough template to be able to get to that point. So thinking of it in terms of the journey, I think is a lot easier when we take that first step with that very positive mindset. But I do think that first step is food lists. I mean, I, ugh, I, I really, that the whole yes food, no food thing, good food, bad food, green light food, red light food, like though defining a diet based on food lists irks me. That's an understatement. Um, that being said, you know, I'm, I'm going to assume that Barbara has a very surface understanding of what the autoimmune protocol is as part of her, you know, needing, knowing, knowing that this would be a good thing for her and that she needs to get started. Um, I think the, the fastest way to get to a diet that mostly looks like an autoimmune protocol diet is have some food lists, foods that you get to eat, obviously I think is a much more positive way, but it's also necessary information to know what to avoid. Um, and I will say that there's free AIP food lists on my website. Also, there's really thorough lists in my ebook, the autoimmune protocol, um, which you can put a link in the show notes. Um, but that ebook I really created in order to be a very comprehensive uh, ebook to expedite application of the autoimmune protocol. So it gives some broad overviews of the science, but it, it doesn't do the big deep dive into the science that like the paleo approach does. Um, and instead it goes straight to like, here's a brief overview of the whys, but here's all the practical stuff. And it's, it's really designed to help jumpstart that initial step. And it has fantastic food lists on it, including the next thing that I think is really important, which is reading labels. And that's because, um, it's, I don't know how many times I've had the conversation of somebody who went paleo and then discovered that there was gluten and soy sauce or, you know, went AIP and then discovered there was like rice starch in their favorite thing. Um, it's, you know, some of those things are going to be a small enough exposure of a, you know, relatively harmless thing that even if it's like technically not AIP, it's probably not going to be a big deal for most people. Some of those things are going to be a huge deal. And so um, I think like step one, just get an idea of what am I going to eat? What am I not going to eat? Like step two is just go through the pantry and just, you know, anything that's paleo, but not on immune protocol, just put to the side. You, you pro probably will come back to that in reintroductions later, but, um, you know, just don't, I think it's worthwhile to have that systematic double checking because I've had enough conversations with people over the years who, uh, you know, were on the Omni protocol for three months, four months, six months, and then discovered that there was something that they were still eating that was really problematic for them and was holding them back from experiencing benefits. And there are very few things in life more frustrating than putting in that effort into consistency and, uh, you know, the healthy dietary choices that are part of the AIP framework and then discovering that there was this like unintentional thing 
that meant your body couldn't respond to the work you were putting in. Like, oh, that is cartoon exploding head level frustration. And I think even for us veterans, um, you could be buying slash eating something for a long time and the manufacturer changes the formula and Mm -hmm. you're not reading the label each time. And then you're not feeling your best. You start going through everything. You're like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like what was I doing? So it's not just for new either. It's something, you know, it's, it's, the restaurant you eat out at all the time, needing to remember that each time you need to tell them blah, 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 not just assume that they know you or that you know the menu already. And I think that's the hardest thing is kind of putting yourself out there and needing to do this. It's exhausting in the beginning to have to read all these labels if you're not used to it, but just remember what your goal is and why you're doing it. And it is not for forever for almost everybody. You know, this is, as I like to think about it, an elimination diet to see what your body responds to and doesn't. And so, you know, it could be 30 days. It could also be three years. But the goal is to have this be for an amount of time to help your body heal. So just remember that, that it doesn't necessarily have to be forever and just tell yourself, okay, I'm going to do this for 30 days and then I'll see how I feel and then get to that next step. Agreed. So, um, I think that one, so one of the things that I recommend when people are looking at the autoimmune protocol, they're at this point where they, know what they need to throw out of their pantry. They know they need to restock their pantry. And that can be budget-wise, that can be a, a, a challenge. Um, and also, right, there's that very, very common question, okay, but what am I going to eat? Um, I like to um, get, you know, for example, like my AIP lecture series students do an exercise where they look at the meals they already eat that are very close to AIP where you could, you know, put a slightly different seasoning on your roast chicken. And then all of a sudden that meals AIP, um, or, you know, swap out your soy sauce for coconut aminos in that stir fry. And all of a sudden that stir fry is AIP. So look at the things that you already cook at home that you already love and look at the things that, you know, where you could make a small change and that meal is going to be a fully AIP meal and then build from there. So I really like the idea of, you know, finding three to five recipes. There's such an amazing community of AIP bloggers now. There's so many phenomenal recipes. I mean, you could buy somebody's cookbook. There's so many AIP cookbooks now to choose from. Um, you could buy somebody's cookbook, but there's so much available on the internet now of really fantastic recipes and find, you know, three, four, five, something like that, a small number of recipes that are going to be easy for you to cook, right? That are going to match your cooking skills. So depending on, you know, how much you cook now, it's, it's going to be something similar to what you've prepared in the past. That's not going to be a huge amount of time, whatever, you know, like for me, I look at hands-on time rather than cooking time because I work from home. So I'm able to put something in the oven and slow cook it, you know, in the morning. I can put something more important than total cooking time for me. But different people have, they would rather do 30-minute meals, 
beginning to end, even though that might be 20 minutes of hands-on time compared to my thing that cooked for eight hours, but it was five minutes of hands-on time. So look at the time commitment on the recipe. Most recipes will, will give you a sense of how long it'll take to prepare. And start stocking your pantry based on the needs of those recipes. So, oh, there's that herb that I don't already have in my pantry that I need to need to get or that, you know, specific starch, right? So um, a lot of AIP recipes will use tapioca starch or arrowroot starch as a thickener. You might see cassava flour. Um, so only stock your pantry with the things that are either an immediate swap for that meal that you already make that needs one ingredient swapped out to make it AIP or that are for one of these recipes that you look at and you're like, that's going to look great. I'm going to make that. It's going to fit into my schedule and it's going to fit into my budget and it's going to fit into my life. And and instead of buying like, oh, I'm just going to buy $300 worth of AIP pantry ingredients right off the bat, do it bit by bit based on the recipes that you've chosen. And that's also a great way to combine adjusting a favorite versus finding some new favorite foods. Because I think one of the things that really helps adopting the AIP is discovering that food still tastes good. And the best way to do that is by, you know, finding these like kitchen tested recipes from AIP bloggers who, um, you know, really have uh, similar tastes in terms of um, palate to you. So if you don't like one blogger's recipes, try another blogger's. Like we all have slightly different palettes and our approaches are matched to that. So find somebody who likes the same kind of foods that you do because you'll probably like their recipes and start, you know, start discovering new delicious meals that aren't any more work to prepare than normal. The other thing I would say is as you're preparing these meals, um, Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to make them in larger batches and then put some in the freezer. Um, a lot of the recipes that you might be making, for example, if you're going to make like a faux-mato sauce so that you can just have that around to add to whatever recipe later. Like that's one of the things that makes my life easier is we always have a batch of broth and a batch of um we mm-hmm. call ours uh faux-mato sauce. And if I have those in the freezer, then if I find a recipe later that has like a couple of tablespoons of tomato paste or whatever, then I have it already to make and it's not like an additional burden for me. So don't be afraid as you're making something to like double the recipe and just put it on your freezer for that time when you just, maybe you have a flare in whatever autoimmune condition you're having and you just don't feel like cooking or it never hurts to have that stuff Agreed. Um, um, prepared And for I actually later. think that um, having a few meals in your freezer is one of the best like preparing for the unexpected that you can do on the autoimmune protocol. Um, it's, it's, you know, you can't order pizza anymore. So Instead, there's that thing that will thaw and reheat in the oven in my freezer. Um, I, my freezer is now my takeout place. That didn't sound the way I wanted it to sound, but I'm sure our listeners get what I'm trying to say. Um, so, I mean, I think the other piece of that that's sort of implied is if you're somebody who eats out, um, part of adopting the AIP is getting used to eating at home and doing your own cooking. And that's where you have complete control over your ingredients 
and your, um, you know, potential cross-contamination, the environment, and it's cheaper. It is always cheaper to cook at home. And I think it's one of the secret places where, um, people, I mean, this counts for paleo too. I mean, it's not just autoimmune protocol, but one of the things that happens, and I, I do think this is a later step of, you know, starting to look at food quality and plugging into the local food movement. But once we get to that step, if you've already freed up some budget by no longer, uh, you know, going to, you know, fast casual (laughs) restaurants, for example, um, that like all of a sudden, oh, well, like I'm not spending that 30 bucks on that meal, you know, once a week, I can now spend that 30 bucks towards, you know, local, uh, produce for my farmer's market or a really high quality olive oil or, you know, whatever it is, grass fed ground beef from the grocery store. Um, I think that one of the big challenges that a lot of people have to the autoimmune protocol is that our society has gotten so we're so busy. I mean, we really are. We're, we're working more than we ever have before. Um, we're pulled in more directions than, than we ever have been before. And so that getting used to cooking and realizing that in general, I mean, the, um, I think it was the, uh, I think it was the environmental working group that did an analysis of like how long it takes to get a meal if you're going to cook it versus go to a fast casual restaurant. And by the time you add in your, uh, you know, a reasonable, fairly short commute to the restaurant, a reasonable wait, and then your commute home, it's actually faster to prepare it at home and then a fraction of the price. So, um, it, it's generally, you know, it's going to save time and money to cook at home, but it's, that doesn't mean that it's an easy transition to that for a lot of people. So I just sort of want to honor that getting used to shopping and cooking and planning ahead and, you know, eating home cooked meals at home is a part of the learning curve of AIP for a lot of people. And I think sometimes we need to ask for help too. Um, like I said, especially if you're in a flare, um, you could do like a batch cooking day with friends where, you know, you sit around and all cook, you know, something and then you can share it or maybe just have someone be with you to make the time go better. Or if you need help, you can be with them and ask a loved one to come um, help you fill your freezer. Or, you know, in my case, it was asking Matt to change the kind of foods that we ate because he was the one that cooked. You know, don't be afraid to ask for help as you do this transition as well because you don't, I mean, you're doing the cooking on your own, but you don't have to be on your own. And I think the more that you have support from loved ones, the better off you'll be. You notice how I'm just like tacking on to like, yep, what Sarah said is great. And um, here, let me add this attempt at value to this list that you're putting together. <laughs> I I noticed because I have a list in front of me. Um, and I think it's awesome. I love that you're like making everything I say better. That's why so we're a team. About it. That's it. Um, so I think that those suggestions are all diet focused, um, depending on where you're coming from, even just getting used to eating a lot more vegetables is going to be an adjustment, getting used to just drinking water instead of something like soda, drinking tea instead of coffee is going to be an adjustment. So there's, there is a lot 
to do with adopting the autoimmune protocol that is related to the dietary changes, but it's very easy for people to get completely like 100% focused on the diet and forget that lifestyle is super important for immune regulation as well. And so in those first few steps, like even as you're looking for those new recipes and trying to figure out what you're going to keep in your pantry versus shove to the side versus donate to a food bank, and you're, you know, trying to figure out, um, you know, what, what you're going to eat, what you're going to put in the freezer, right? Even as you're doing that initial, you know, learning curve, right? It's, it's, it's making the AIP fit into your life um, and figuring out, you know, what, where's my personal give and take here, which is definitely easier the more you understand the whys behind the AIP. Even as you're doing all of that, I would say the, the two most important things from a lifestyle perspective to, to commit to in the early phase of adopting the AIP. One is setting a grown-up bedtime and sticking to it. Um, and it ideally should be, oh, I use the word should. Your ideal bedtime is eight and a half to nine hours before you need to get up in the morning. And that accounts for the amount of time it takes to actually fall asleep and brief uh, arouses during the night, which are completely normal, so that you would total about eight hours of sleep. So that is an ideal bedtime, depending on where you are. If you're only getting five hours of sleep a night, jumping to nine is going to be a really hard transition for your body. So you're going to want to, you know, add 20 minutes every few days and gradually pull that bedtime back so that you, it's really hard to expect your body to suddenly fall asleep four hours earlier than normal. But 20 hours earlier than normal is generally pretty doable. So, um, starting that commitment to getting enough sleep in this early phase is really important. It also helps with, um, not just, you know, regulating your immune system and hormones, but it can help with a lot of like hunger and craving regulation, uh, reg yeah, regulation. So if you're, um, getting rid of a lot of like American junk food from your diet as part of this transition, um, those all cause even in a like emotionally, mentally healthy person, uh, a minor form of food addiction because they, um, trigger the reward stimulus in, in your brain, the dopamine, um, pathways. So adjusting to life without those types of foods is easier if you're hydrated and well-rested, um, and ideally your stress is managed. So focusing on sleep kind of, kind of helps the diet changes seem easier and the other lifestyle um, change that I recommend, provided it's accessible, is committing to a 20 or 30-minute walk outside every day. Um, and the reason why I say that is because it combines some nature time, some sun exposure. Walking is generally pretty accessible. If walking is not accessible, um, you could look at doing uh, something like chair exercises instead. Um, you could look at... Um, you know, maybe going to, you know, now it's going to be harder to do this daily, but maybe going and doing water aerobics, um, something like that, right? So there are, obviously, this is going to be scaled depending on what's accessible for you. And if you're a really active person, that 20 or 30 minute walk might take the form of something more intense. But I want to remind anybody who's looking at the autoimmune protocol that avoiding strenuous exercise is part of the protocol because strenuous um, or prolonged exercise actually 
um, is inflammatory and negatively impacts gut health. So it can drive autoimmune disease. So making sure that the um, intensity of whatever exercise you are putting into the place of walking in this recommendation is appropriate for your fitness level and your health. And that also includes if you work a, a desk job and you are sedentary for large portions of the day to make sure you're getting a movement break every 20 minutes. I love how you worked in water aerobics. I fist bumped. You couldn't see me, but I had jazz hands and I was like, yes. Um, <laughs> I, it's really, it's really fantastic for people with um, mobility challenges. Yes, it is. Um, really bad <laughs> joint pain, right? Like, it is, it is a really wonderful, and you can even, you know, go to a pool and, and walk around in a pool. It is completely like scalable. Of- there are people from all walks yeah. of life who come to my water aerobics class, and I was ridiculously nervous and didn't go for much longer than I wish that I would have, because um, it has been wonderful for me. And when I'm feeling great, I can push really hard and I can tell the instructor like, Hey, give me some extra stuff. And when my, you know, back is flaring up or I haven't had a lot of sleep, I can just kind of go with the flow. Um, and then there are also plenty of people who really scale down and who just kind of move in the water and have a community of people that they are spending time with for that amount of time. So hundred percent suggest it. And, um, it is accessible from the perspective of, um, I go at the YMCA. This is not a commercial for them, but, um, they are very affordable. And just because the particular question that was asked, um, it is going to be a good fit for someone Barbara, it's going to be people your age and great peer group and all of that kind of stuff. But also like as someone who is younger with teens, like I still have a wonderful time going as well. So um, you can find them at like community rec centers and all kinds of stuff affordably. You don't have to get a fancy gym membership. I'm nodding. And then I just remembered it's an audio <laughs> I just feel like I went on and on and on about. Away. I was like, really emphatically nodding away and then I'm like oh right I gotta I gotta verbalize my agreement here because otherwise I know it's, it's like ridi- I'm like ready to do um, an infomercial for water aerobics <laughs> <laughs> well I mean I I I didn't just uh include that to pander to my co-host um I, it really is a, a great solution for a lot of people with autoimmune disease for whom um, especially if, if joint or muscle pain is a symptom of autoimmune disease, walking isn't necessarily an easy thing to do. So um, this, this idea is about starting to increase movement, um, and it is not necessarily about the you know, 30 minutes brisk walk cardio. So it, it really is about um, meeting your body where it is and then gently – you know, guiding it along to towards a more active lifestyle, again, scaling for where you're at. So that those are all what I think are like the first steps, right? Like um, it's it's really about uh, getting, you know, easing into the diet without ignoring lifestyle. As you start to get the swing of that, um, I really think that one of the best things people can do 
in order to set themselves up for success on the autoimmune protocol and beyond is to educate themselves in terms of the whys behind each facet of the protocol. That helps you to understand where the give and take is, what might be really important for you in your situation, but what might be something that you can trade off. So, um, you know, maybe there's a food that you don't need to eliminate right away. Maybe there's um, some foods or a nutrient that you probably extra need to focus on. Um, maybe it's not related to food at all and it's related to lifestyle, but it understanding the whys behind the protocol are really important for, I think, motivation to keep going, um, but also understanding when to troubleshoot, when to refine, where to start refining. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I see as a a common misstep is combining AIP with other protocols that eliminate <laughs> different foods until you're stuck with like six foods that you eat. Um, I think that those types of pitfalls are always, um, I don't want to call it, say easy to avoid, but I'm sort of stuck there. Um, it is harder to fall into those pitfalls when you have a really good understanding of the whys behind the autoimmune protocol, because once you really understand the whys, it provides this like through line guiding you through those choices. So I would, um, I would also add, um, that there is a reason for the foods that have been removed from the autoimmune protocol with in-depth scientific research by Sarah that probably accumulates years worth of research. And so if you're adding on to that, um, without like a, doctor telling you maybe that you have an allergy or because you already know that, you know, you're sensitive to apples, for example, um, then you're, you're making it harder for yourself and you might not be getting the other nutrients that you need. So just keep in mind, like, well, this person says eliminate this and this person says eliminate this. And then Sarah says eliminate this. So I'm just going to get rid of all of it to be safe. Like you, you might not actually be doing the autoimmune protocol then because you might not be getting enough of the nutrient-dense foods. So we don't want to make it harder for you than it needs to be. So start with, if your goal is autoimmune protocol, autoimmune protocol, then stick with that. Like, <laughs> see see how that goes. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I've created such thorough educational resources for the Demi Protocol. So you can read the Paleo Approach, which has all the science behind um, both what to eat and what to eliminate, as well as the lifestyle stuff. Um, that book is usually pretty inexpensive on Amazon, but you can get it from independent bookstores and big chain bookstores as well. And also the Autoimmune Protocol Lecture Series, which I realize is not as budget-friendly budget of a resource, um, but it is by far my most thorough resource for the general public and autoimmune disease sufferer um, in terms of understanding the whys behind it. And I do want to mention to our listeners, um, because our regular listeners know that I am coming through um, a health crash from the fall, I have decided to only teach one session of the AIP lecture series in 2020, and that starts March 9th. 
Um, so I just sort of wanted to throw that out there for listeners who are like, oh yeah, no, I, I think understanding all of the whys behind the admin protocol is really going to help me, um, navigate this diet and lifestyle and troubleshoot and refine and implement. Um, I, uh, I just want to let you know, so one chance this year, um, and that the coupon code paleo view is still active for a hundred dollars off tuition. So, uh, special code just for listeners. Non-listeners are not allowed to use the Paleo View coupon code for the Automate Protocol. Non-listeners, like, like how would they I get the code? <laughs> check that. I know. I can't. I can't enforce that at all. I mean, you could share that code with your friends, and they can. They can still also. Actually, I highly recommend having a friend or family member do the course with you because it is a great educational experience to share with somebody in your life, and then implement together. Um, and the like bonding and, um, connection that comes with doing that with someone that, you know, um, and they, it's an online course, so it can be somebody who lives far away from you too, um, is a really, really great experience. So you can share that code with them, even if they don't listen, that's fine. If you are in a budget, um, I do want to recommend your autoimmune protocol book on Kindle, I think is $10 if you and you can do that mm -hmm. on a computer, or, you know, whatever electronic device you have, there's like apps for your phone and different kinds of things like that. Um, and that way, you can also have the recipes with you and the shopping list and all that kind of stuff when you're out and about, which is really nice. And it's not as heavy as the textbook. So <laughs> just, you know, for your convenience sake. Anyway, um, what, what else? Uh, what about, um, I think for me, um, tr in trying to help Barbara, I'm thinking about people who might be limited to, you know, the resources and the foods that might be available to them and how we could potentially help with that perspective. Um, so, for example, um, fresh vegetables and and. I don't quite understand, I'm going to be honest, exactly how Social Security works if we're just talking about a limitation to budget or if we're also talking about being on a program where you're given um, a certain amount of credits for fresh food versus not fresh food and that sort of thing. Um, and I, I feel like it's helpful if we address both of those perspectives for whomever might be in that scenario. I think we talked about this once before and how to eat paleo on those kinds of limitations, but I think it's worth revisiting. So I think that, I mean, obviously there are food deserts and places where getting fresh food is a lot more challenging. Um, so um, sort of putting that to the side, because I think that accessibility issue, that's where you really have to rely on, you know, CSAs and online delivery. And um, that's a, sort of a different problem to solve than the pure budget problem. Um, I think this is where we make a trade-off in terms of food quality. Um, if you can get food off of the Environmental Working Group, Dirty Dozen List, Organic, that's great. If you can't right now, it is still more beneficial to you to choose the nutrient-dense foods, even if it's like not the optimal version of it. Maybe it's what you're getting at like a Walmart superstore, for example. Um, that is still going to be a 
dietary improvement for you compared to the, um, you know, eating the, the foods that are eliminated, for example. So working on three quarters veggies and some, you know, meat and some fruit, even within that, like, obviously this is not the locally local in season organic food that I'm going to get at the farmer's market, but it's still going to be a vast improvement. Um, and there's certain vegetables that are, I call them stretch veggies. So it's what like rice or dried beans used to be in my household in terms of like stretching a meal, cabbage, winter squash, sweet potatoes, like the price per pound, you get a lot of actual food with those. Um, and I think that there's, uh, I think this is also where you like, keep it simple and keep it to a variety of vegetables and fruit, um, and some meat, some frozen or canned seafood that's more accessible um, the most expensive AIP ingredients are the special ingredients that are used for AIP treats. And those are nice for like feeling like, uh, you know, feeling like you're not giving something up, but they're also not necessary for healing. And it doesn't take very long for your palate to adapt to fruit as being a wonderful dessert. Um, so there, there's, it's definitely possible to eat AIP on a budget. In terms of like food stamps, a lot of farmers markets now um, are take. Food. It's actually a really great way to market seen in your local food movement. I think those are really great things to do as part of your AIP journey. Um, and so, you know, finding out is there a local farmers market or a local CSA that will take food stamps? Um, that's obviously you know, different in terms of what region you live in. Um, but that is a possibility. Um, and then other than that, you're doing the best you can between fresh, I mean, frozen fruits and vegetables are actually probably better than fresh because they tend to be frozen. They tend to be picked ripe and then frozen right away. So that's going to be a great budget-friendly option. Um, if you're going to do canned, just read the labels, make sure you're not getting any crazy preservatives in your canned foods. Ideally you would pick, um, BPA free cans, but even if that's not accessible, um, you know, trying to pick fresh or frozen as much as possible and, and doing the best you can. I think that, you know, anytime that we're trying to eat healthy food on a budget, like we have to remember that, the foods that are supplemented through the farm bill are the ingredients that are going into all of these refined manufactured foods that don't offer any nutritive value to our bodies. And at this point, the foods that are healthy, they're not subsidized. It's not that they're naturally more expensive foods. It's that they're not, the price isn't artificially lowered. And so um, we might have to do a give and take here uh, in order to fit these healthier choices into our budget. And while I wouldn't normally say that, you know, canned green beans from a, a BPA containing can is a great option. It is if your other option is like bread, right? So, so not feeling guilty about making those exchanges. And that's where, 
um, taking the time to, to really get into some of the whys behind the AIP can be really helpful because you can understand a little bit of what's the magnitude of effect of eating a lot of vegetables versus the magnitude of effect of BPA exposure and some, and recognizing that there is bioindividuality here. And some people are going to be very sensitive to that BPA exposure and some people aren't. So I think that, you know, all of those, all of the budget strategies that we normally use can be applied to AIP. Coupons, sales, uh, UPICs, um, trading time in the kitchen for a lower price thing. So not buying the bag of pre-washed and trimmed veggies, but instead buying them in bulk and trimming them yourself or buying the big hunk of meat instead of the small butchered pieces, right? The price per pound is going to be a lot lower and butcher it yourself. Um, or cook the giant piece of meat and then freeze all the leftovers. So those are the, all the same strategies that work no matter when we're buying food on a budget. And they they apply to the AIP equally. It's just the filler foods, I think, is, is the biggest difference. And the specialty ingredients are obviously become uh, less accessible when trying to eat this way on a, on a very strict budget. I was going to suggest frozen and, and then you got to it. And so I don't have much more to Sorry. add except bananas and plantains are additional stretch veggies mm. um, like cabbage, yeah. sweet potatoes, winter squash. Those are things that we try to always have around. Um, also, onions are something that we try to add to everything that um, has some health benefits and are root veggies and they're they're affordable. So there, I added something. <laughs> Yay! Um, so, so, I, I think Oh, carrots. That, sorry. You know, I mean, I'm not carrots, sorry, yeah, but carrots, ca- are, carrots are another good one to have around and are yeah. great for snacking when you're mm-hmm. feeling like you want to crunch or you just, you know, whatever. Carrots are always great. They're my go-to. Kale's, kale's pretty good too. Like you can get those giant bags of kale. That's already Not everybody in, wants like, to just eat giant that. things of greens without any dressing on them like you. I know okay. it's romaine and not True. kale, but I, I was trying to say like you could snack on carrots. Oh yeah, snacking on straight kale. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Although you can make yeah, your yeah. own kale yeah. chips, and those are delicious. Uh, and yes. highly snackable. Okay, now we're getting completely off task. <laughs> <Most of lunchtime>. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. I think the the last thing I sort of wanted to to emphasize is exactly Stacy where you sort of started off, which is the idea that this is an elimination diet, which implies that you reintroduce things at some point. Um, it is really a uh, collection of tools that are about expediting healing because you are flooding the body with nutrients and eliminating the most likely triggers, um, dietary triggers of your autoimmune symptoms, while also giving you this toolbox to understand your own body and really, you know, figure out what are the foods that you can eat and what are the foods that you can't. And I, I think that with reintroductions, when we're talking about a tight budget, um, you know, under normal circumstances, I would say focus on the foods that are going to provide the most nutritive value and actually add to your diet, right? That are the foods, there are some foods that are eliminated on the autoimmune protocol that if they work for you are a great addition to your diet. And those are the ones that I generally recommend trying out first, right? So things like nuts and seeds, egg yolks, uh, maybe some, you know, 
grass fed ghee or something like that. Like those, those would be my, my normal, like early reintroduction foods, but there's a really good case to be made in this situation of reintroducing those really budget friendly foods like rice and lentils early. Um, when you're talking about a situation of trying to eat this way on a budget. So suddenly you've, you've increased your stretch a meal ingredients, um, that you can use. So, um, I would, you know, I would fully support that as a strategy for reintroductions. Again, following reintroduction protocol, that is, you know, all of that information is, is like, you know, most of the information on the animal protocol is all available for free on my website. Um, but I would say that, um, I want, I want to emphasize that it is part of the autoimmune protocols to try reintroductions. It's not like you're AIP and then you reintroduce foods and you're not AIP anymore. Reintroductions is like a phase of the autoimmune protocol. First, you work on that nutrient density and then you eliminate the potentially problematic foods and you work on lifestyle. Then you try reintroductions and you really learn about your body. And then you find some kind of in-between that is something that really works for you as an individual that fits your budget, that fits your cooking style, that's foods that you like and foods that are working for your body and helping you continue to heal. And that is what I sort of think of as the maintenance phase of the AIP. Um, and so really thinking about the autoimmune protocol in terms of a health journey and don't hit your head against the wall for too long before, um, troubleshooting or refining. So one of the things that I see in students in the AIP lecture series, one of the reasons that people like to take that class is because they've been doing AIP for three, four, five years and are still stuck in the elimination phase. They haven't been able to do any successful reintroductions. Um, they're still, they had some initial healing. They're still not feeling great. And there's usually answers in that course, um, that help really give people guidance on like how to get beyond that. Um, but overall, my recommendation is if you're getting to three or four months and you're not seeing any improvements, um, you know, that's where finding a good doctor to work with or an AIP certified coach and, um, really looking at what you're doing. I have lots of troubleshooting guides in the Atomy protocol ebook and the paleo approach in my course, on my website. Um, so, if, you know, if, if, uh, AIP coach is not financially accessible, um, you know, you can do this on your own. You're just going to spend a lot more time educating yourself to really wrap your head around the different things that could be holding back your healing, but don't wait to troubleshoot because if you're not seeing any improvements in that period of time, like I'm not saying everyone should be like all the way better, you know, autoimmune disease and remission in three months, woohoo. Um, there's obviously a pretty big spectrum in terms of how long it takes different people to really have substantial improvements in their autoimmune symptoms on the autoimmune protocol and different people need to dig deeper. Right. And it's, it's, there's a, there's a huge amount of variety there. Um, but don't just beat your head against the wall and like AIP harder and instead, you know, find, find a good doctor to test your vitamin D levels. Like where there's some really straightforward things to do that can make a really big difference in your, in your healing journey. So don't wait too long to do that. And then I think my last, my last final last 
piece of this is um, the AIP is a lifestyle that is centered around understanding your own body. So there's a huge piece of this that is about developing lifelong habits, like just the habit of eating a lot of vegetables or eating vegetables at breakfast time, right? Like that is a lifelong habit that a lot of people form as part of the autoimmune protocol. You're learning about your own body. You're learning about your own triggers. But there's a piece of that I think is important to recognize that there's no cure for autoimmune disease. The AIP can sometimes put autoimmune diseases into remission. Sometimes the best they can do is slow progression of autoimmune disease. It really depends on the individual, the you know various underlying contributors to autoimmune disease at play in that person, how long they've had the disease, how aggressive it is, how much tissue damage there is. Um, and so the, the uh, expectation is obviously different for different people. But in all of these cases, autoimmune disease can be a moving target. So even if you're the person whose autoimmune disease goes into remission in a week of the autoimmune protocol, and yes, I have received emails from people for which that has happened, even if you're that person, that doesn't mean that uh, a really stressful life event can't trigger that autoimmune disease to come back or trigger a secondary autoimmune disease to initiate. Um, so there's a piece of this that is about understanding our body and also being vigilant. So really being aware of those early warning signs and being ready to dial things in when um, when needed, right? So, hey, I got the flu and that was an infectious trigger. It triggered, you know, triggered more symptoms that I haven't had in a long time. Now's a really good time to make sure sleep's dialed in, activity's dialed in, nutrient density's dialed in. Maybe there's some um, foods that work for me when, you know, my disease in, is in remission that don't work for me when I'm symptomatic. I'm going to take those foods out. There's a whole piece of the autoimmune protocol that is respecting bioindividuality and, um, empowering you to really understand your body and adapt to changes in circumstances quickly. So it is this wonderful collection of tools that allow you to navigate health challenges in the future more successfully. That, that doesn't mean that they're not going to be challenging. Um, it just means that you've got this wonderful collection of tools that you can reach into and grab hopefully the right tool or two or three or four for that particular situation. It doesn't mean that you're going to never see your doctor again, or you're going to go off all of your meds, or you're never going to need a supplement ever again, but it, it gives you the knowledge that you need to make informed choices so that you are making the best choices for you for that situation to move forward in the healthiest and most um, positive way possible. Could not agree more. So I'm just going to summarize for Barbara and those people who are perhaps feeling overwhelmed with where to begin with the autoimmune protocol. Get more sleep, drink more water, mm -hmm. and focus on mm -hmm. foods that will nourish and heal you versus create inflammation. There are a long list of them. We didn't go into details on all of that today. Um, and Sarah mentioned resources, both free and affordable and in-depth that you can look into depending on where you are in your journey. But I think those basic steps with adding in movement when you're ready um, will really help put you on 
a path. Now, we talk all the time about making small changes so that it's sustainable, um, keeping in mind that removing one or two foods or um, removing all nightshades, but still having hot sauce twice a week. Those kinds of things are not going to work for most people on an elimination diet. You really need to clear your system entirely and then move Mm -hmm. towards reintroductions and the things that we talked about. Um, Sarah's talked before on her journey about how she went, I think it was gluten-free first um, and then dairy-free, but not gluten-free and didn't see any relief. It wasn't until she went both gluten-free and dairy-free that she saw those changes. For me, I actually did really strict autoimmune protocol for um, several months and didn't see the results that I was looking for. And it wasn't until I started adding in nutrient-dense foods like broth and liver and reducing my stress that I started seeing results. Um, So it really is a, a multiple factor. And that's difficult because you have to change so much at once. Um, in order to really see results. And it's motivating when you see results to continue, but it might take a while to see results. So find a community. Um, Sarah didn't mention it, but she actually has a free Facebook group for autoimmune community that you can kind of find your people and talk to and vent and get ideas and share recipes. And um, I think it's really good to have a support system, whether it's online like that or someone in your real life, ideally both, that can support you on this journey to help make it sustainable and long term. Agreed. It's called the Paleo Mom community and you can just (laughs) find it in Facebook search bar and it'll be there. Only real people allowed. <laughs> yeah, allow it's I mean, bots. it's a, a big community and sometimes it's not always autoimmune. I rolled my eyes. You couldn't see me do it when I said that. <laughs> um, but I think for the most part, the majority of the people in there are a wonderful community to connect with and really genuinely want to help people who are embarking upon this journey to begin. And so it's a, a great support system. But Regardless, Barbara, we wish you well. Thank you for the question. And we will, of course, be back again next week. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast or um, you think someone you know would benefit from listening, we would love nothing more for you to share it and offer your review on whatever platform you listen to the show, especially as we enter 2020 and people are starting to find new podcasts or you know health approaches and that kind of stuff. You helping us be something thing that comes up in their search so that we can help them improve their life is so very wonderful and we appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.